Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello again. Hello. Thank you for finding episode one enjoyable enough to come back for episode two. You say that as if we're definitely sure someone's listening to episode two. That's it true. It could just be that, or it's just me, you. Actually, my mum and dad are probably still listening because I reckon they'll give it three episodes before they bin us off. <laughs> Lose interest, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Friends with Friends. What we do is we take an episode of the wonderful sitcom Friends and we... Well, I was going to say analyse it, but I'm going to say over-analyse it. We go to a level that most people probably haven't done before. And I'll tell you what, the one thing, so so we'll talk about my episode this week, which is going to be the one with the blackout, which is uh, season one, episode seven. So really early doors one. Uh, and what I noticed when I put it on uh, yesterday is that I literally know every line. I could I could, I could, could anticipate every single line that was coming. Really? Because I'm the opposite with this one. I think the early ones are the ones I'm not as familiar with. Oh, really? Yeah. So when you said the one with the blackout, I was like, okay, so the power cut. Oh, yeah, no, I remember it. So it took me a while to actually fully remember what happened in this episode. Oh, that is interesting. Did you enjoy it going back, having not remembered it? Yes, I did. But there is a notable difference in like all of those characters. Like, I think Ross is a very different person in those early episodes to what he's like at the end. Yeah. But the other thing is that people like Joey, I don't think Joey's quite as thick at the start as well. No, he. Do, I, I noticed that in a lot of the earlier episodes. He does say some things that are like just very quick and funny. And you know, that's not yeah. the character that he becomes. One of our guests, is a little spoiler alert, one of our guests has chosen uh, the one where Joey speaks French as their episode. And uh, by the time we've hit that point, they're literally going, this man, he cannot understand the difference between what he's hearing and what he's saying. Like, he's yeah. that, he is that stupid. And yet in the early episodes, he go, he's quite funny. Yeah, he sort of regresses, doesn't he? Yeah, it really does. But anyway, so my episode. Uh, so the first two weeks of this podcast, um, we choose an episode each. Pete chose his one last week, which was the one where Ross is fine. This week is my choice. As I've already mentioned, it's the one with a blackout. Uh, very, very early days ones. Um, and if you don't remember it, here is the official Wikipedia explanation of this episode. During a New York City-wide power outage, while the gang is hanging at Monica and Rachel's apartment, Ross tries to share his loving feelings with Rachel. 
but is attacked by a cat. That's a very matter-of-fact <laughs> sentence, isn't it? I mean, that is what happens. But if you try and write that just on that knowledge, then you're going to get a very different episode. Uh, Rachel and Phoebe begin searching for the cat's owner, but when Mr. Heckles tries to claim the cat, he spooks it. The cat turns out to belong to Paolo, a dark, attractive Italian hunk who lives in the building and doesn't speak much English, and Rachel falls for him immediately. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the blackout, Chandler is trapped in an ATM vestibule with a Victoria Secret model called Jill Goodacre, and he desperately tries to impress her. Okay, so that's the basic overview. So there's only really two different plots going on uh, during this episode and it's all set in a blackout uh, and it's basically just either in their flat or it's in the in the bank isn't it and i'd like to start if we may pete in the bank oh no 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 in the in the what in the atm in the atm festival that's the one that one (laughs) i'd like to start there because i don't know if you noticed this but (laughs) now this 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 for me right is one of the most memorable bits of an episode of friends it's got so many lines that i genuinely use i reckon once i reckon once a week i say gum would be perfection when someone offers me gum and yet when i watch this back it's absolutely insane and what you're watching is a man in chandler just act like he's never been in a social situation ever before right yeah so here's what happens so the lights go down and they're trapped in this atm vestibule okay it's him and a hot girl. That's the premise of the whole thing. So he's very uncomfortable. Now, he doesn't speak to her for nearly 20 minutes. There's two people in a room in a precarious... Like, it's a blackout and they're locked in. It's not like you just sat on the bus stop and not talking to someone. Uh, why wouldn't you talk? Like, wouldn't you just go? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Oh, what do we do about this? Do you know what I mean? Nothing. Yeah, I, I think your immediate reaction would be to try and figure out how you were going to get out and at least... You have that in common, don't you, with the stranger? You yeah. both have a desire to get out. Yeah, it was sort of like they were just in a waiting room for the doctors. Do you know what I mean? They both were just like, right, we're both in here, don't know each other, so we'll just sit on the other side of the room and not talk. That's not what would happen, is it? No, I, I think I would at least try and be like, oh, oh do you have any idea what, what we should do? Ever been trapped in an ATM vestibule before? That's the thing, they sort of react as if it's something that happens quite often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, not again. Hate it when this happens. But that's the thing. So right right at the end of the episode, she uh, gives him a kiss on the cheek and says, thanks, Chandler, I had a great blackout. As if that's like <laughs> a regular, like, just like, oh, thanks, Chandler, I had a great weekend. I had a great Christmas. Yeah. Like, I had a great, it's not, it's not a normal social situation. Or maybe it is. Maybe in 1990s New York, then there were just blackouts every, every couple of weeks. Well, the other thing, the whole premise of this episode is that the power cut has seemingly taken down all of New York. Yeah, yeah. Because Chandler is in a completely separate place to Monica's flat where the rest of them are. Yeah. And yet he too is affected by this blackout. Now, the geography of Friends is something I've never really got on board with. Like, I've never really pictured whereabouts in the city they are. All I know is the coffee shop's underneath the apartments, and that's it. Yeah, you never you never really... There's no map or anything, is there? You're kind no. of left to, to determine that yourself. Yeah, and have you ever have you ever been to the, uh, the Friends building in New York? I have been past it on one of those really cliche New York tour buses. Did you go on a, an open toffer? Yeah, yeah, one of those. Did you? Although when we went on it, it was just before Christmas, and then they took us past the place where John Lennon was shot and played So This Is Christmas. Uh, that's not the name of the song. What's it called? <laughs> War Is Over. War, War Is Over, that one. They played that while the bus was pulled up right next to where he was shot. And everyone was like, all right, ruin the festive cheer. So yes, to answer your question, I have seen 
the friend's building, but only like on a passing bus. Did they start playing the song before or after they said it was his house? It, it like it it was said as they revealed this was the spot. This, they were like, this is where <laughs> John Lennon. It was really creepy. So that building is in Greenwich Village, which is like the sort of lower west side. I mean, I guess that's where they're supposed to be. And they always talk about the village, don't they? Um, yeah. But yeah, I just might. I've never, while watching it as a kid, I never um, tried to figure out the geography of it. So I don't know where this ATM vestibule is or why indeed Chandler is inside it. And I don't think we ever see them draw cash out of a machine for any of the rest of the series. Yeah, we don't really see them doing like functional day-to-day <laughs> life things, do they? So so him actually having to get cash, that's an unusually normal thing. Yeah, and here's another thing I noticed is that um Phoebe plays the guitar, right? We know that. She's always playing in the coffee shop. This is the only episode that I can think of where they actually just have a little sing song. Yeah, they're all sat around, aren't they? They're all sat around singing The Carpenters when Ross gets attacked by the cat. We'll come on to that in a minute. But I don't think at any point in any other episode they just have a sing song and you know i mean i know because i'm that guy but you know when there's a guy with the guitar in the friendship group you always end up having a little sing song don't you because there's the knob with the guitar aka me Uh, anyway let's go back to the atm festival so there's a couple of bits i want to pick up where i think watching it again and watching it with new eyes it's just insane so she's on the phone right at one point talking to her mum this is the first interaction they have and she says no mum I'm not alone, I'm with some guy, right? And then there's a bit where Chandler, if you remember this episode, Chandler in his head is going, some guy, oh, I'm just some guy. But as he's doing it, he's like strutting over towards her, (laughs) like visibly strutting across the room. And when you really peel back and take away the internal monologue, which we're all enjoying, from her point of view... This man has just started strutting, sort of crotch out towards her, got near her, and then just turned away and walked away. His strut is the sort of thing um, you do when perhaps you're like, trying to dry something on your T-shirt under a hand dryer. Like, sort of, <laughs> sort of like awkwardly waddles around towards her. Yeah, exactly that. And that's only the start of it. So then there's the bit... The, again, I think we all remember the bit where he's going, I'm trapped in an ATM with Sean right? Sure, so he's, he's trying to tell the others that he's in an ATM with a... She's a model, isn't she? Yes. And he's trying to say it without her hearing. Yes, which is fine. I understand the premise of that. Absolutely fine, right? Except if he is under the impression that she'll hear anything he says, therefore has to do this to so she doesn't know that he's talking about her, right? Suddenly, if she's listening to it all, she's just watching a man five feet away from her going, hey, Monica, how's it going? (laughs) Into a phone that she's lent him. Yeah, yeah. She's just watched a man growl down the phone three times. And at this point, and, and this is the thing, right? And this is, I was chatting to my sister about this. And she was like, do you know what? It just really goes to show the amount of insane male behaviour women have to put up with every day. that She's not even batting an <laughs> eyelid. She is not batting an eyelid. She's stud. And watch this guy strut over to her and then strut away. She hasn't gone, you're right, mate? What's going on? He's then growling down the phone. And then his first actual social interaction with her is the gum one, where she says, do you want some gum? And he goes, is it sugarless? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, if I was her, 
Like, I do not want to interact with him on any level now. The thing is, he is self-aware that he looks weird, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And that's fair. But the the things he does in that situation go way beyond what any normal person would actually do. I mean, the growling down the phone thing, you'd save that bit for later and you'd be like, oh, I've got a story to tell you next time you see them. You'll never guess what. When I was on the phone, guess who was in there with me? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, then he eventually does get some gum. And then he thinks maybe a way to impress this really hot model is <laughs> is to blow a bubble with my chewing gum. <laughs> yeah, that's like schoolboy charm, isn't it? Yeah. Blow a bubble with my chewing gum as if she will suddenly go, ah, oh, I mean, he's absolutely insane. He strutted at me and growled down the phone, but pff, boy, can that guy make a small air bubble with that chewing gum? He's the man for me. Yeah, suddenly she'll think he's really hot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, anyway, he spits the gum out. He tries to pick it up. He picks up someone else's gum, puts that in his mouth, which would be mad. That's mad. Putting your own gum back in your mouth is mad. Well, especially when you put it down on the side. like He puts it down on like a, a bit of table, doesn't he? Which is going to be gross because it's in an ATM vestibule. But again, I do not understand his thinking here, right? So let's, let's follow it through. Uh... Thought process by thought process. He's gone, I'm going to blow her a bubble. She'll think I'm really attractive and want to marry me, right? That goes yeah. wrong, and he visibly spits out the gum, right? So she's yeah. seen, she has seen him spit out the gum. Then his thought is, I need to get this gum back in my mouth, because what? <laughs> yeah, then, try again. <laughs> then her memory will just be wiped, and she'll forget that I've spat out the gum. Like, what is the problem with just leaving the gum where it is? Because she's never going to go, oh... You're not chewing gum anymore. What's what, what's all that about? Because she's watched him <laughs> spit it out. Uh, what what dignity is he trying to save? Maybe actually she would have offered him another piece and they could have had a nice conversation off the back of that. Yeah, well, we all know Chandler is not one for usual social interactions. Anyway, then she then he starts choking on it when he puts it back in. She saves his life and suddenly they're best friends. Yeah, it kind of cuts back to them when they're playing that game with a pen, trying to swing the pen around their heads, don't they? And it, yeah. It's like this big jump from them being extremely socially awkward to all of a sudden best mates. Yeah. So so this is, here's my take on it. What story is she telling when she goes back to her mates after that? Like, how is she telling the first half of that story where they're going, oh, who was in the thing? Oh, just this guy. What was he like? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was clinically insane for about an hour. Yeah. And then we chatted and he was like really lovely and we had a nice time. Yeah. Like at first I was fearful of him, but then we ended up playing this game with a pen and now we're best mates. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so that's Chandler's blackout. Meanwhile, over in the apartment, we have the Ross and Rachel incident. We have the cat and we have the first appearance of Paolo. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We kind of have the first appearance of Ross and Rachel like, as a thing, don't we? Because they have that conversation when they're sat on the floor and... she doesn't know that he likes her yet, does she? No, no. And it transpires later in the series that Ross has fancied her since, what, the ninth grade or something. So there's always been this thing with them. And yet when Ross is, again, saying these quite weird things, like, I see a lot of passion in your life. And, like, you know, Joey, Joey's picked up on it. Joey's watched him and going, he's trying to hit on her. Yeah. And Rachel hasn't noticed. And sort of things he says to her are the sort of things a really cheap psychic would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it feels like or, he's reading her tarot cards, doesn't it? It's like a horoscope in, in the paper, in a, in, a, in a tabloid paper. That's the sort of stuff he tries to charm her with. You will have a rich, fulfilling life with <laughs> many happy moments. And that's the kind of extent of his flirting, isn't it? He doesn't go beyond that. Like, he doesn't... That's the point at which, you know, let her know. But obviously, this is the whole frustration with Ross and Rachel. It doesn't happen that straightforwardly. No, absolutely. And that's fine. Anyway, then he decides, oh, actually, I am going to just sort of ask her out. And suddenly there's a cat on him. Uh, and then suddenly we're just into the corridor. And this is like the the sort of next bit of the plot is that they're wandering around trying to find the owner of this cat who happens to be Paolo. Now, I'm not sure what my feelings on Paolo are, but I have one overarching feeling on Paolo and that is he so he lives we're to take it that he lives in that building right yeah he so he lives in New York in New York City I refuse to believe that any man or woman living in New York would have such a pathetically poor grasp of English like not a single <laughs> word not a, how does how does he do anything how does he literally do anything He's literally incapable of stringing a sentence together, isn't he? He sort of has a has a small number of words which he says, but not in any real order. That that it's just a mess. No, and and when he meets her friends for the first time, he doesn't do that thing that you would do. Like you know, if I don't speak Spanish, right? But if I was in Spain and I met someone and I went back to meet their friends, I would the first thing I'd do would be like a cat candid attempt at just going like hola. Okay, yeah, out of politeness. You know, you'd just be like, guys, I can't speak Spanish really, but I'm really sort of just, this is all I've got. But he's living there. Like, he must have some sort of job, unless his job is Italian teacher only in Italian with no need to ever interact in English with anyone. Well, he's settled there enough to have a cat. That's what I mean. That's what, he's, that's what I mean. He's not just travelling through, is he? He's there. He's got a cat. How did he buy the bloody cat? Like, <laughs> also, go to an Italian cat dealer? Also... Why is a cat allowed to wander around the balconies several stories up on a high-story building? Is it even morally okay to have a cat in an apartment block? Well, if you do, surely it's like a... Well, not like a house... Like a flat cat. <laughs> flat cat. 
<laughs> Sounds like a kid's book. Does it, does that happen? Like, did I don't know. If you have a cat that high up, why is it wandering around and on balconies? Because it'll fall off. It is absolute madness, isn't it? So he's there rumbling through. So he wanders in and just literally talks in Italian to them and they all just go, who's this guy? By the way, why is Joey incapable of determining what he's saying when (laughs) half of his family speak fluent Italian, we later learn? He is literally Italian. And yet, even if your parents were Italian, you'd have some grasp on what to say. He is none the wiser. He's not got anything. He can't help Polo at all. Yeah, I mean, I did Italian GCSE and I could understand a little bit of it when I was watching this. So if you've grown up in an Italian house with people speaking Italian, you should be able to really pick that up, shouldn't you? Yeah. What is cat in Italian? I could not tell you, mate. I could not tell you. Gatto? That's one of the first things... Sh- Pardon? Maybe gatto. Gatto? What, like cake? Yeah, but G-A-T-T-O. I'm going to look it up for Or cato. Hang on. Um, cat, do cat. I, I'm googling again. It's like the flan all over again. Oh god, the flan, flan. Cat in Italian. It is gatto. G a double t o. Yeah. Hell's yeah. The first result that came up on Google there is 55 beautiful Italian names for your cat. Oh, go on, give us the top five. Shall we assume that whatever the fir- first, the top one is, that's what Paolo called his cat? Correct, and we'll call the cat that from here on in. Uh, Baccio. Kiss in Italian, B-A-C-I-O. Baccio. Yeah, Baccio. All right, so Baccio's gone a-wandering and jumped on Ross, and then they found Paolo. So, I mean, this is the start of the Paolo saga. I, you know, moving on from this thing where he can barely speak English, how do him and Rachel maintain this relationship for so long? How, like, literally, what do they do? What do they talk about? I mean, I know what they do, sure. obviously. That's what they do, so, so they don't have to talk. But you can't just fundamentally have this like they must be dating for a a couple of months at least i reckon well the thing is even rachel herself again in that episode acknowledges um i know that he doesn't speak any english but i think her words are but god because she thinks he's so hot obviously yeah um but you're right there's kind of a difference between not being able to speak to them and getting with them once yeah but then to try and establish a relationship with them that's really difficult when he can't even say hello. No, absolutely. Yeah, he, can, he literally... The only words I think we hear him say in the episode are Monopoly and bed or something like that. <laughs> like, he's really got limited. Well, now you know what him and Rachel get up to. They sleep with each other and they play Monopoly. <laughs> I'd love it if every episode it just cut back to him and Rachel playing Monopoly because that is the only thing they have in common. Yeah, that's all they've got. With Baccio sat on the couch next to them. <laughs> I love that we've named the cat. <laughs> I really feel like we've established something there. We've answered. Well, we've 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 found a, a really tiny plot hole in that the cat doesn't have a name, and we filled it. We have filled that hole. Um, actually, with the cat, while we're on a sort of subject of the cat, another thing that I say quite a lot from this episode is when they try and take the cat to Mister Heckles, and they're like, yeah. what's, "What's his name?" and he's like, "Bar Buttons." And every time I yeah. say the word button, I I go Bar Buttons, and even. Like my close friends that are quite good friends fans are a bit confused by that quite often. Um, the is this the first instance where we've seen Mr. Heckles? Well, that's what, exactly what I was just thinking. Because they don't actually call him Mr. Heckles in this episode. No, he's just a mad. It's, he's just a bit of a mad neighbour. A isn't bloke he? who lives downstairs who tries to claim the cat. Yeah, I'm just looking him up on IMDb now. Because he dies. <laughs> this is a bit dark, but he dies soon after, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not a long-running character, is he, old Heckles? 
No, he um he gets killed off. Not many people in Friends get killed off, but but he is one of them. That's a really good point, actually. There are very few character deaths. It's not that sort of vibe, is it? Uh, Joe is Estelle dies. Joey's agent yeah, dies. Yeah, Estelle dies. Phoebe's grandmother dies. By the way, really retrospective plot um, spoiler warning here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't got up to sort of series four and you know that Phoebe's grandmother's dead, <laughs> then I apologise. This is the wrong podcast for you. Oh, and actually, in in the first series, Ross and um, Monica's nana dies, doesn't she? Yeah, there's a couple of grandparents in there. Yeah, grandparents are off. Estelle's off, and then yeah, heckles. Actually, do you know what? Now that we're talking about it, there's loads of bloody deaths. They're peppering the deaths. I've thought of someone else who dies. Who? LaPoo. <laughs> I think LaPoo's dead before we meet Rachel O, isn't he? Or is he? No, no, he's not. He dies in the series. You're right. And the chicken and the duck die. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Do they? Yeah, the chicken and the duck die. Do they? Or do they just sort of disappear? Well, they sort of disappear, right? And that is it. And it's never referenced. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of there being a reference to them dying no there is because right at the end of series 10 um they get joey a new chicken a duck do you remember yeah they get new ones no joey gets them for them and then decide they decide oh, that's that right. they yeah, can't yeah. have them around the baby joey gets that the chicken the duck for monica and chandler and then there's a reference to something like then you can take them to the visit that other farm where chandler took the old chicken the duck oh yeah doesn't he? he says something like that's that. That's in the last episode, isn't it? Yeah, that's literally the last episode. But it's that old. That child almost line. feels like they are tying up a a really really small <laughs> plot there. Just, uh, just, Whatever happened to the chick and the dog? That's quite satisfying. <laughs> but eventually, even though it is in the final episode, it is explained what happened to them. Do you reckon they were sitting around in the writers' room writing the final series of Friends, the final episode, and someone just went, guys? What happened to that chicken the duck that was in <laughs> yeah. loads of the first half of Friends and we've forgotten yeah. to write in since? And someone goes, should we just say they died? Yeah, cool, great. <laughs> Heckles, this is Heckles' first appearance. Correct. I thought it was, yeah. So he's not even named Mr. Heckles at this point. He's just weird bloke in a dressing gown who tries to claim a cat. And he's only in five episodes, according to IMDb. And then he dies. And he dies and he's off. Oh, sorry, Heckles. Maybe him knocking on the ceiling with the broom was actually a cry for help. I think he probably was, Pete. So, think about next time you see Mr. Heckles. It really brought the mood down, mate. <laughs> anyway, we're back in the apartment during the blackout, right? And now here's the other thing. You know, sometimes we have it, and we had it last week, where you go, if you're in this situation, how would you act, right? How would you react? And we were talking about people walking into other people's apartments and how it's just a bit weird, and that's fine. So Rachel's brought this guy back, right? He doesn't speak English, that's fine. But imagine, if you will, right, that um, your mate has brought um, a guy back, right? And you, fan- mm-hmm. and you fancy your mate, but he's brought a guy back, right, to this party, and you're at the party. You would not then go up to the guy he's brought back and go, just so you know, like, <laughs> take him to one side and just go, just so you know, me and him, we're a thing. Which yeah. is exactly what Ross does to Paolo in a language he doesn't speak. Yeah, he somehow does manage to get that message across, though, doesn't he? Because Paolo does understand, he just doesn't care. Yeah, and actually one of the words that Paolo does know, ironically, is sex. So he yeah. does say sex. And even at this stage, Paolo's going, but you're not having sex. And he's going, no, I mean, we're not together, but we're sort of a thing. And that, like, 
a sort of basic social. And I'll tell you what, Ross is lucky that Paolo probably can't tell this story to Rachel because he doesn't have yeah. the verbal capacity in the language of the country he lives in, apparently, with a cat. But, like, if that had been just another American, he'd have just gone to Rachel and go, your mate Ross came up to me and was like, you guys are a thing. Also, the extent of what Ross believes is a thing is they've just sat on the carpet and he's kind of read her a bad horoscope that is the extent of it like she doesn't know anything else it's very true isn't it but i guess he's just got that thing in his head where he's like we are meant to be together you know from forever and ever yeah. for, for, since i ever met you and i get that that's fine and that's very lovely isn't it if you truly believe that uh but it is insane and you know that's not to say that we peter have not done insane things when it comes to the world of romance and probably said insane things i think we can all hold our hands up to that but um for the purposes of this podcast we're really just uh, acting as moral arbiters that are perfect in every way and are just judging these insane people in new york in the 90s um the only other thing that i noticed and if you've watched this episode or you haven't maybe go back they're chatting about weirdest places they've ever had sex or whatever and actually, there's two parts to this that I want to just quickly flag up. One is that Monica and Ross are very comfortable talking about, like, sex in front of each yeah, other. Yeah, like, I noticed this. Weirdest very place, open about that. Weirdest places we've ever had sex, and they're just chatting away. And, like, I, I mean, I'm, I presume my sister's going to listen to this podcast, and even that makes me feel like, like I wouldn't really <laughs> talk too in-depth based oh, no, on I've that. I've said the word sex. Yeah, I know, but just to just, like, sit around in a sort of social situation with your other mates and just be like, talk about the strangest places you had sex. I just, I find that astonishing. They are quite, throughout the whole series, just in the nature of the fact that they're in the same friendship group, they have the kind of conversations you would have with friends rather than with family, don't they? Yeah, like absolutely. There's that whole part of that episode where Monica and uh, Richard are in one bedroom, Rachel and Ross are in another bedroom, and they're both chasing for the last condom, and it's... It's knowing that their siblings are in the next room doing the same thing is really weird. Yeah, I mean, that is insane. I mean, that is insane, isn't it? Actually, when you really flag that up, and at some point we'll talk about this episode, no doubt, but Rachel and Monica are arguing over a condom in the bathroom, and Monica is literally in the position where she's like, I want this condom so I can have sex with my boyfriend. She wants it so she can have sex with my brother (laughs) next door. You'd feel like that would be your reason. You'd be like, well, no, you're not having it because then you'd be doing that with my brother. <laughs> yeah. like, that wins. Monica gets the condom. and then but, the, but Rachel gets it, doesn't she, in the end? And Monica then has to basically just go back and go, we can't have sex tonight because they've got the condom. And at that yeah. point, her brother is just having sex next door while she just lies in silence with Richard because they can't have sex. Maybe this is a whole conversation we should save for that episode. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Let's curb it now. There is a lot to go off in that episode. Um, and then just after they have this conversation, back to the today's episode, uh, there is, you know, you know the little weird um, st- stings in between the scenes, which we've lovingly recreated for this podcast in very sure. low budget fashion there is one i've never i know what you're gonna say never have recalled hearing and because they, go, they sing it like yes there's a singer yeah, yeah, yeah like a weird choir on a on a school keyboard it's like or whatever it is and yeah i had the same thought i was like who the hell is this singing <laughs> who are the weird choir they've suddenly just got in even the friends producers themselves obviously twigged that that sounded weird because it, it doesn't last <laughs> much longer does it no what we're referring to here is those idents when it changed between scenes and it plays a little bit of music for like barely anything it's like five or six seconds yeah if that 
And in this episode, something I've never noticed before, which is like what I'm saying about how I'm paying more attention to these episodes because of this podcast and what we're doing here. Yeah. Out of nowhere, someone sings along to one of them. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's also the only only time in that episode that anyone sings along uh, 100%, 100%. to 100%, 100%. And music. I don't remember it ever happening again. And I want people to choose some Series 1 episodes now so we can go back and just go... Does that happen? Does that happen yeah. in other episodes? Or was it just a rogue bit of, like a rogue musical director that episode just went, I'm just going to try singing over this, see if anyone notices. Yeah, Maybe no one ever will until in 20 years time, two men in England are doing a podcast about it. I love that you noticed that as well, because it's so, it's really quiet and it's gone in the space of like three or four seconds. But I love <laughs> that you noticed that. <laughs> So uh, now we are going to test quite how closely, uh, well, you, Dave, were were watching this episode, but also anybody listening who has seen this episode recently. uh, We've got a few things here, like really, really fine detail here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Right. Welcome to the lightning round, Dave. Your first uh, first go at this. Okay. Yeah, it is. I'm excited. I think you're going to get this one. Uh, What is the name of the Victoria's Secret model Chandler is trapped with? Jill Goodacre. Jill Goodacre, correct. Jill Goodacre. Uh, in the blackout, what does Joey do because he doesn't have any other candles? Oh, he finds a menorah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he finds a menorah off of Chandler's old Jewish roommate, who is yeah. very rarely referenced. I like that at some point, perhaps, there was a conversation with Chandler about whether he should leave the menorah or take it with him. And Chandler's <laughs> just been like, nah, just leave it. I'll have some use for it at some point. <laughs> That's a very good point. You wouldn't leave a menorah, would you? It's an odd thing to leave behind. Yeah. Um, what is the weirdest place Ross says he's had sex? It's at Disneyland behind the ride It's a Small World. Yes. Do you is... remember what props he describes himself as being near? Ooh, there were loads of little trees or something? He says mechanical Dutch children. Mechanical Dutch children. That is very specific. Yeah, he uh, he he has sex with. Uh, he's talking about his his ex wife, isn't he? It's Carol. Yeah, I mean, again, that's another insane thing. I mean, I understand people like having sex in public, but at a predominantly children based theme park, it's an odd place to be turned on. Isn't it's it? fucking mental. It literally is. <laughs> like it's so mad. There's loads of kids running around, and there's a big queue, and they've just nipped off and had sex in the, in public. Complete the Phoebe lyric. Okay. New York City has no power and the milk is getting sour. But to me, it is not scary. Because I stay away from dairy. Correct. (laughs) And uh, final question for you. How many times is the word vestibule said? (laughs) Oh, God, that is hard. And all of these are within the first few minutes. It doesn't take long for us to reach this vestibule quota. Right, okay. So I'm going to roughly do a thing. So Chandler is thinking in his head, and he goes, I'm in an ATM vestibule. Then he goes, is it a vestibule or is it a thing? So that's two. Then Jill says vestibule. He says, oh, Jill says vestibule. I'm going with vestibule. Then he says vestibule three times on the phone. Joey says it once. I'm going to go for eight. Oh, you're very close. It's nine. Mm. Ah! That is the only one you've got wrong. That was a particularly hard question, but you got the rest right. Happy days. I'll take that. Proud of you. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. I did once, uh, by the way, form part of a team with 
a number of people that I imagine will appear on this podcast at various points. And we, we absolutely smashed a friend's quiz, like a proper friend's pub quiz. And oh, we, nice. We only got two wrong in the whole thing. And they were like really hard ones. And we got some really... So actually, I'm going to try and remember all those tricky questions. And maybe one day we'll do a proper quiz-based episode with some people. Oh, we should do a friend's pub quiz. Oh, that'd be great. That's how we should finish. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah quiz. Quiz, quiz, quiz. I love a quiz. Anyway, let's. Uh, I'll stop saying quiz as much as Chandler says vestibule, and we will move on to the end of the podcast. Which, as I'm saying this sentence, really doesn't need to realize it doesn't need to be said because we could have just ended the podcast. So all I've done really is extend the podcast by saying we're moving on to the end of the podcast. Sure. Is that it? Are we at the end of the podcast now? Well, we were until you started chipping in. Oh, so now sorry. I have to do it all again. So now, so what we will say, <laughs> yeah. what we will say is, uh, well, we've done our bit, haven't we? It's now someone else's turn. Yes, that's a very good point. So next week's going to be our first guest. Who will it be, Pete? No, seriously, who will it be? Have you booked? Have you booked anyone? <laughs> no, I haven't got a clue. Have you asked anyone? Have you invited anyone? Not yet. But whoever it is, it'll be someone who cares deeply about a particular Friends episode, and we will overanalyze the shit out of it with them next week. Yep, Whoop, whoop, whoop. Podcast over. Here we are with information on next week's episode, so you can go away and watch it if you'd like to, and or revise all the niche bits of detail and stats. Yeah. Uh, our guest next week is excellent friend and actor Helen Monks. Hello, I can't wait. <laughs> she <laughs> is so enthusiastic that she's here already. I love friends. <laughs> Both <laughs> That's kinds. The spirit. Uh, what episode are we going to be talking about next week, please? The one with Unagi. Ah, Unagi. Salmon skin roll. Yeah. Uh, that will be next week on Friends with Friends. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.